Well, good morning, Abundant Life. Hope everybody is well. Uh, I am uh, so glad to be here this morning, uh, just to be in the house of the Lord. There's something about being around people that love the Lord and that know him. It looks like a movie theater in here. I think we need to give the, the folks some light. <laughs> when we can. All right. Well, uh, just wanted to let you know um, Elder uh, Keith was supposed to be here uh, this morning uh, to preach, um, and he gave me a call this week and uh, had something come up. And so you will hear from him next week, uh, next Sunday, um, but he wasn't able to uh, get here today. Um, I have to say, though, when he called me, uh, I looked at my phone just so I could double-check the day, and I said, so, Keith, uh, it's, it's Wednesday, man. <laughs> Sunday's right around the corner. Well, God bless him. God, God's uh, word will always fall on good ground uh, when we trust in him. Am I right? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for how good and how precious and how loving and how kind you've been to each and every one of us. Uh, you are an amazing God, Lord. You uh, take us, Lord, and you guide us and you give to us exactly what we need, Lord, to walk out our day-to-day -day walk with you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you go before us this uh, morning. And God, would you just do what only divinity can do, Lord? Would you... Uh, Make this word, Lord, fall on good ground, Lord. Would you help me to articulate it in a way that pleases you, God? And most of all, God, we pray, Father, that you get the glory, Lord, that you uh, are pleased uh, by our worship, Lord, of listening to your word, by our worship of reading your word, by our worship of preaching your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 When God calls us uh, to himself... When he calls us to a vocation, uh, when he calls us to a community, when he calls us to a family, whether that's your immediate family or the family of God, he sends us on paths that are specifically, specifically for you and for I. There are some similarities for sure. We're, we're all called to love. We're all called to share the gospel. We're all called to share our faith and share our lives, among many other things. However, there are some stark differences between the way that your life and what God has for you is to go. He uses each of us in a special and unique way. My path and my life is different from Brother James's life. Brother James's life and his path is different from each of yours. When the unexpected happens in our lives, we want to know why. We want to know the reason. Our reasoning is, if we can make sense of this, then perhaps I can get my arms around it and I can deal with it better. Does that sound about right? We see this all throughout time. I think about Gideon. Uh, the Israelites were dejected by the Midianites con with continual impression, depression and oppression. But yet he says in Judges chapter 6, verse 13, 
It says, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our father recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? To make it more personal, why has this all happened to me? And you could say that. I think about John uh, chapter 9. You remember the uh, the man that was uh, born blind from from birth? You remember him? The the, the people gathered around him, and, and, and again, we want to know why. So they gathered around him, and they said to Jesus, Who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus responded this way. He said, Neither. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. I want to help us this morning to see that the path God has you on may be met with unexpected tribulation, unexpected path, an unexpected way in which your life goes. I've entitled this message simply Unexpected. I want us to see that as I share from God's word, um, that there is a way that we need to respond. I want you to think about your life, and as you think about your life right now, I want you to think about three things. The first thing I want you to think about is your calling, or simply put your life, what God puts you on this earth to do, you specifically. Second thing I want you to think about is your path. How is he going about doing it for you? How does that look? Some of us can tell stories of paths that we've been on that, well, it's not exactly what we expected. It's it's a little different. And the third thing I want you to think about is your response. And we'll try to spend most of our morning there. What is your response? How are you reacting to the unexpected? Think about that for a moment. If you have your Bible with you or your Bible app, meet me in Acts chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 23 through 31. And I think I need to do a um, sermon on the book of Matthew somewhere because every time I was studying, I kept turning to Matthew, turning to Matthew. So maybe God has something in there for me that he's trying to tell me. Acts chapter 9, verses 23 through 31. After many days he had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly 
in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. Does anybody see that they tried to kill him? <laughs> if you mention, they mentioned this three times. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Just for context, prior to our passage, we see Paul, here in our story, Saul, persecuting the church. Uh, he's blinded on the road to Damascus. He tells Anani God tells Ananias to, to, that he is the chosen instrument. Uh, God lays hands on him. He said, go lay hands on him, and he'll see him. Uh, we will see again, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the scales fall off of his eyes. He's baptized, and he begins to preach and became powerful in the Lord. And then we get to our story today. Luke writes in this book and tells us that after many days, the Jews conspired to kill Paul. Now, what I gathered from my sh short study is that the days mentioned here are actually months. Keep that in mind. So when it says days, think months in terms of this particular passage. For, se for several months then, there was an intentional, planned, executed conspiracy among the Jews to kill Saul, to take his very life. They wanted to kill him because, as it says in a verse, one verse earlier in number 22, he's baffled by them um, that the fact that he's proving that Jesus is the Christ. His strength increased, and he confused the Jews through his understanding and his argument about who Jesus was. In fact, if we go one more verse back to verse 21, if we want to know what the context of how we got here in Acts is, verse 21 says that they said this. They said, hey, isn't this the man that raised havoc in Jerusalem among all the Jews, among those who call on the name of Jesus? They were caught off guard that as soon as he got there, he started getting it in. He was preaching that Jesus is the Christ. And he immediately experienced opposition. He immediately experienced judgment. He immediately experienced the life um, from other people, including the disciples. He experienced a lot of people coming against him. And for what reason? We'll find out. The calling on your life, no matter where it is, whether you're in the marketplace or whether you're in the church or both, it will take you on paths that are filled with opposition and joy and judgment and then highs and then lows with unexpected turns and turbulence. And it's during those times that we must embrace what God's doing. It's not often that we feel like embracing what God's doing when there's turbulence in our lives. He has a plan, and his plan is better than anything that you or I could conjure up ourselves. 
He sees what you can't. He knows how to protect you. He knows how to sustain you. He knows what you can handle and what you need. And he won't overextend you, as he promised in 1 Corinthians 10.13. Saul's call was to be an apostle, specifically to the Gentiles. His path involved experiencing several unexpected events as he fulfilled the ministry that God gave him. They wanted him dead because they did not trust him. They thought, how is he persecuting the church yesterday and now he's preaching today? I always think when reading this passage that uh, the people must have not have thought about their own journeys. Because me, when I see someone like that, I think about my own journey. We all have come this way, yet they didn't see that. If they did, they would understand that we have all come from the same place. God picks us up from somewhere. Even if you were raised in the church and accepted Christ at 8 or 10 or 15, whatever age, you still had something he had to call out of you or call you out of. But they were watching the gates, trying to figure out how to kill him. Some of the people who followed him lowered him through a basket through a wall at night so that he could eventually escape. However, when he gets to Jerusalem, he runs into another unexpected challenge. Have you ever escaped one major obstacle in your life, only one step you took, and then you look up and there's something else in your pathway? I'm sure Saul is like Medea with Joe, just ready to go completely off. They are scared of Saul, and they don't know what to think of him. And they're rejecting the fact that he really is a disciple. In fact, the, the, the Bible tells us that they were whispering among themselves, isn't this the man? Isn't this the man? Isn't this the man that was persecuting Christians? It might sound like something, something like this today. Isn't that the man that was so in seed with so many women on the college campus just four years ago? Isn't that the woman who raised, whose mother raised her kids because she was out living for herself? Isn't that the man that used to get drunk and high every day and now he's clean and sober? Isn't that the woman that has been divorced twice because she spent more time with her work than she did with her family? Isn't that the man who verbally abused everyone around him because he had low self-esteem, because someone in his life never told him when he did right? but only when he did wrong. Fill in the blank. Isn't that the man? Isn't that the woman? Fill in that blank for yourself. There will be people who, while you're pursuing your call, while you're following God's call to college ministry or to stand out as a tech executive or who shows the very area what godly leadership looks like or to run a nonprofit or to lead your family as a stay-at-home mom or whatever God calls you to do, there will be those who will try to draw you in to your past, to question your authenticity, to question who you are. And I'm here to tell you today to embrace those unexpected experiences. This is what happened to Saul. It wasn't even like Saul was new on the scene. He had been preaching for some time at this point in the story. 
We know this because uh, if we look further ahead to Galatians 1.15, we actually see where it's actually said that he had been there longer than three years. Turn that uh, there with me, Galatians 1.15. It says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. Yellow. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia, and later I returned to Damascus. In another version, I believe it's the ESV, he mentions that he's been there three years. So here's three years later. He's been in this thing three years in, and they're still not thinking that he's one of them. Three years of preaching all around, uh, all after or around his conversion. Saul didn't expect his very own to give him a hard time. However, this was the path that God has set for Saul. And what we learn is that in these situations, God will send support for you. That's our good news for today. He will send support for you. He will meet your need. You don't have to take my word for it. It's right here in your Bible. He will send support. He will meet your need. For Saul, who was that? God sent the son of encouragement. His name was Barnabas. We don't know why Barnabas was the one to support him. Um, it was said that he had personally heard Paul, or excuse me, Saul's preaching at the time, same person, um, and had not just heard, you know, hadn't just heard of him like, like some of the people. Um, so that perhaps is maybe why uh, he lent his support. What we do know is that he risked his life and his reputation for Paul by standing for him. God will send those type of people into your life. Some of you can testify right now that he's already done that. And he'll do it again, and he'll do it again, and he'll do it again, and he'll do it again. Someone who sees what God is doing and helps you to get to where you need to be is always something that we're going to need in our lives. Never think that opposition from so many people is a sign that God is not in what you're doing. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, he's working through you to show himself to others. Where Saul found himself is not by coincidence. It was because this was his path. God did this. All this was set in motion by God. Paul later, when his name was changed, knew that you and I would come this way as well. I love when we see these things in Scripture. In fact, in 1 Timothy 1.16... Turn there with me. 1 Timothy 1.16 reads this way. 
He says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. That's you and I. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, listen, what I'm going through right now, that's an example for the people to come. That's an example for the people around me. And that may be what God is doing in your life. He's using you as an example for those to come. He's using you as an example for those who are in your area of influence, those who are on your job, those who are in your extended family, those of us who are here in the body of Christ. It's an example that's you and I. Never fear when what you're doing, what God called you to do, and as a result, you encounter opposition. Never fear when you encounter opposition. Never fear that. Embrace it. He is taking you somewhere, preparing you for something, as we're seeing here. And that's why we always want to know the why. Because he's always preparing us for something, and sometimes he doesn't tell us what he's preparing us for. And when he doesn't tell us what he's preparing us for, how annoying is that? I mean, if we're just real, right, I'm, I'm, I think it's annoying. I know maybe you don't talk. I know God knows what we're thinking anyway, so I'll just say I think it's annoying. <laughs> you see, the, the disciples, in verse 26 it reads, um, were afraid of Saul. They were afraid of him. They didn't believe that he was a really a disciple, as I said earlier. They didn't believe that he was one of them. I'm just curious how many of you are here today and, and can just imagine your very own not accepting you. Your very own. It might be that you have a family, parents, or extended members who have not accepted you, perhaps because of your choice to follow God, as if you're going to turn on that. Or maybe it's because your life looks different than what they expected. You know, we like to put these expectations on people and, and, and try to tell them what their lives are supposed to look like, and half of the time we don't even know what our own lives are supposed to look like. Somebody's always trying to tell you what you should be doing and, and what you should do. I can't tell you how many times I've had people tell me that, oh, you should still be doing X, Y, Z. Unless you heard from God in my behalf, not so much. It may be that you just have someone else in your life. Uh, they don't believe that you're, you're, you're one of them for one reason or another. In our passage, they don't believe Brother Saul is one of them either. And isn't it funny just how judgmental we can be as the body of Christ? When somebody comes into our midst, this is preached about a couple of weeks ago, we what it looks like when somebody walks into those doors. They don't look like you. They don't know the church way. Just think about that. 
If you hear me say think about that a lot of times, you can tell I'm a person that cycles things in my head over and over and over again. I might, it might be your family. It could be so many different people. But we ought not to have that in the body of Christ, that we're so judgmental. How quickly we forget the way by which you and I came to maturity. I bet you if Jesus was standing next to us right now, he would say, and you think your sin is somehow different than theirs? We've become so judgmental. We've been saved two, three, four, five, seven years, and all of a sudden we're, we're holier than thou. That was the people in verse 26. I'm still in the book. That was the people in verse 26. Now, in verse 23, listen to this. Verse 23, those were unbelievers. Those were unbelievers. So we expect resistance against maybe those who don't know better or don't, haven't got a hold of this truth. But those were unbelievers. Always expect that there's going to be resistance in your path, but God is with you. In fact, not only were these folks unbelievers, they were <laughs> disciples. The Bible says they didn't believe it was one of them. You persecuted the church, Saul, and now you're saying that you're one of us? You deceived people, Jacob, and now you're saying you're one of us? You killed someone, Moses, and now you're saying that you're one of us? You have two sons, Tamar, by coercing your father-in-law into getting you pregnant, and you say you're one of us? You're full of lust, David, and you say you're one of us? Sometimes, just sometimes, you will encounter people who don't believe that you have changed won't believe that God has changed you, that you no longer live in darkness and that, you're now, and that you're now walking in the light of the truth. You once were blind, but now you see. They will test you. They will try you, abundant life. They will pick at, the, pick at you to see how you respond. And listen, it's important that we respond in a way that shows we understand that this is the call that we signed up for. Our response is so important. And I can't really put it any better way than that. It's, it, it's critical how we respond when the unexpected paths of our lives come to us. If we were to pass the microphone around the room right now, how many of us sitting here would say that they're not where they thought they would be or should be? There would probably be many. Or maybe you're there today, but you can testify of how many years you weren't there in your past. Or maybe you're, you're at an age right now where you're like, what is he talking about? I'm, I'm a freshman in college. I'm a senior in high school. Um, you know, I'm good. It's coming. It's coming. 
But I say that not as, as, a, as a sly. I say that as an, as an encouragement because you need to understand that it's coming. You're going to have unexpected paths. I almost, honestly, I almost chose a message on joy because, and I was trying to figure out how to maybe put the two together. Um, because we need to have joy during this time. And I believe God will do that for us. I believe that God will do that for us. He'll give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. He'll give us joy deep down in our soul that we can say, eh, you know, during the t- it was a lot harder when I was going through it. But now that I'm past it, I see where I'm at now. Oh, God is amazing. I can say that over and over and over again in my life. Uh, many times we don't know what in the world he's doing, and you're just looking like, God, I don't get it. And then all of a sudden, he brings you to a point of clarity. In verse 28, it reads that after Barnabas uh, vouched for Saul, I, I kept thinking when Barnabas vouched for, for Saul that he's just sort of, it's sort of like, you know, see those movies where you go into an exclusive club or an exclusive place and there's one person who has a membership and there's another person behind them and they sort of step in front of the other person like, we don't know who you are. And this is Barnabas when he came up to, to, to his boy Saul. He, he, he's with me. He's with me. He stayed with them, and he moved freely about during this time after he left with Barnabas. Then something interesting happened. Saul started doing that thing again. (laughs) You know that thing, the thing where he debates and argues the validity of Christ. He started debating with the Grecian Jews in that area, and now they wanted to see him dead as well. (laughs) How does that work? Why them too? Because they couldn't refute him. They could not prove that what he was saying about Jesus Christ was wrong. So once again, they sent him off to Tarsus, his home this time. The last verse is a little bit of a puzzle. Um, It says that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace at least until chapter 12, but they enjoyed a time of peace. So Saul is gone at that point, and therefore he's no longer ruffling feathers. Isn't that amazing? The person that ruffles feathers we, we have an issue with, and do we ever think that sometimes those ruffled feathers is exactly what God, exactly what we need? God saw the turmoil that people were going through when he was against the church. So God saves them, and they experience a period of peace. We'll see this as well in our unexpected paths that God has us on. God will often give us a break, and we'll have a period of peace. He's a loving God. The unexpected paths are not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he's mad at you. It's not because you did something wrong. It's not because of you. It's because of what he wants to do in you and through you. It says that they were strengthened. Do you know that you are strengthened by hardship? You are strengthened when you don't give up and when you continue to do what you believe God has called you to do. Listen, it's not always in a, in a church setting or a church world. Wherever you're at, wherever that finds you, if it finds you in retirement, 
if it finds you just going into your career, if it finds you on a board somewhere, you'll be strengthened. And then it says they were encouraged. God will send a brother or sister of encouragement, just like he did for Saul through Barnabas. For me, early in my ministry, it was a man who a lot older than me and had already raised his kids. He would often show up at something I was leading. And it was rare that I knew he was there. It was, it was actually a little weird. He, he would approach me and say, and, I, and I'm just paraphrasing because it's been so many years ago, but he would say, God sees what you're doing in secret. Keep going. He has something for you. And then I would look around when or time was done and he wasn't there, didn't see him throughout, just saw him for that moment. He'll send somebody. And then it says they grew in numbers. When our focus is not numbers and it's doing the will of God, walking out our personal callings, loving, sharing our faith, spreading the gospel, making disciples, we're sure to increase in numbers. I personally care more about spiritual growth than numbers, but many times you can't help but to grow in that way if everybody is making disciples. At least here in the West, uh, in the South, there's a much different dynamic as we've talked about before. And then last, they lived in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord I learned years ago is simply just reverence. The Apostle Paul in Philippians tells them uh, that their work, to work out their salvation with fear and with trembling, in reverence and in awe. Family, follow God wherever he leads you. As I let you go, if you find yourself enduring the unexpected in your life today, I want you to write down just three simple reminders, perhaps actions, that when you're backed in a corner, when you're panicked, when you're, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you, when you feel like you're ready to give up, he'll show up at the last minute, and you will see God's power. So I want you to... Just know three simple things. Be still, be ready, and be willing. Be still, sit in the unexpected. Be willing to accept that you can't change it. I've tried, you've tried, you can't. And then be ready. Be ready, because sometimes God's solutions are quick, but most of the time, they're long-term. It may take a while. But nevertheless, he is with you, and he'll send support for you. Stand with me, please. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the word that you've given us today. Lord, I pray, Father, that it fall on fruitful ground, Lord. As we walk out this door today, God, there will be people who will um, 
begin to talk about lunch, their phones will begin to go off, family plans, preparing for the work week, all this is going to come about. But sometimes that's the way that the word gets choked out of us, Lord. So I pray, Father, that despite everything that we have going on, that somebody was encouraged today and that somebody, when they leave here, Lord, would they would be mindful that they need to be willing, they need to be ready, Lord, for what you have for them. I pray that you encourage them during this time of the unexpected and that you'd give them peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So just uh, a quick reminder, um, again, if you have a zero I, uh, through three-year-old, I do see some of those, um, some of those folks in the, in the sanctuary. It is not a, a, a must at all, but wanted you to know that it's available to you if you would like uh, to go to the nursery. It's fully open. Megan and her team are in there, and they are excited. Uh, and so don't, please don't forget that. Um, you can check in. Feel free. When, I, when my wife and I used to take um, our kids uh, there, um, she would sneak out. I would sneak out. Go ahead and peek in. It's okay. You can still hear the message in the hallway. I know how that is. Um, but just wanted to let you know that that's available to you. Amen? All right. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you without fault and with great joy, to the only God be glory, majesty, power and authority, now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a great week.